Welcome to Talks with Blake, where I have conversations with people around the world about various subjects. I'm your host, Blake Worrell, and this is the Black Tuesday edition, a Black Lives Matter podcast series where experiences, fears, and hopes are expressed openly. This is more than just a show. It's a means of communication to the masses, to feel, to understand, to empower us, to make a difference. I'm honored to have each one of our guests on this show and fully respect their privacy. So some segments may be censored or even edited out by the requests of our guests. This is episode two. Joining us this episode is Israel Jazir from Berlin, a professional boxer, VIP bodyguard, head of security for various events, warrior, guardian, coach. Israel, also known as Easy, was head of the security at the Black Lives Matter protest in Berlin, which began peaceful and ended abruptly by the police force. Now, if we could just take a second before we get into that, I just want to ask you, what are some experiences that you had in the past that come to mind right now that have proved challenging for you? When I was young, I didn't realize that I was different when it comes to my skin tone. Um, I don't know why, but I was actually the, the place where I grew up, we had like many, many black people living there in Dusseldorf. Uh, when it comes to, um, that's like Hamburg. Hamburg is like, you have the highest pretend, uh, percentage of um, black people living there. And then after that, uh, it comes like to Dusseldorf, Cologne and everything. And so we had, like a church where we go every Sunday. We got like a big community over there, black people. So I never felt like uh, I was different or something like that. But after we moved to another city, there I realized like, yo, um, I'm, I'm kind of different <laughs> because I get in contact with mostly white people. So certain problems start to popping off. And uh, you had the conversation like, yo, you actually not from here, where are you from? People be asking you like, where are you, where are you from? Where are you from from? And um, I was like, yeah, I was born in Ghana. I was, uh, I came to Germany and uh, I went to school and everything. And people be asking like, oh, like <laughs> one example, that's the story of my life. Every time when I start speaking German, people be like, uh back then yeah oh you speak really good german like yeah i grew up here like i came when i was six i went to school and everything so i don't see no difference so this is that was the time i was starting to realizing like yeah i'm different hmm. and now you're recognized as one of the main organizers that helped put together one of the biggest protests in berlin Congratulations. Thank you so much. It was a, a huge success for our community. Mm. And uh, we hope to, to continue to uh, keep up this energy and do more. So mm. the last days we'd be like just having meetings, having calls and trying to figure out where to put this energy and what to do with this energy. And uh, I think we, we can do something big in the next following weeks, years mm. and whatever comes after that. Did you expect that many people to show up? No, <laughs> the, <laughs> never. 
Yeah, but we had to talk. The funny thing is, like, uh, everybody did his thing. My part was, like, the uh, safety management for the event, working with the police and coordinating everything. Um, so we didn't expect that because we had this Facebook event. We just opened it two days before the event. And uh, we had, like, 4,000 people, then 5,000 people, then 6,000, and over and over and over. But the thing is, like, if it comes to Facebook, you never know. Like, people can, just can't click you know, and then be like, yeah, I'm coming, but they're not coming. So we didn't know what to expect. So at that day and early in the morning, seven o'clock, I was there and talking to the police and they was like, yeah, maybe we expecting like 1,500 people. So let's uh, triple that. And so it was like, yeah, okay, we can handle that. Alexander Platz is big enough. And then <laughs> it's just like, yo, didn't expect that many people, never. So you say that you you worked with the police on this event this this protest and how did that work like, were they friendly was there uh was there much dialogue the first meeting with one of the police guy who was in charge of the officers who was there he was actually pretty friendly he was like yo people you can do whatever you want just please tell the people the corona rules and Everything else is up onto you. We just being here, being up for your safety. And if you need something, just let us know. This was it. It never like came and say like, yo, we don't like this. We don't like that. We don't like this. It was like, yo, it's your event. Do whatever you want. Because it was like a, a high problematic uh, topic. So they can't afford to f up, no? So they had to cooperate. And so working with them for the event, it was great because when we needed something it was like, yo, can we have like more police officers over there? Or like we hear, we heard this and this, can you do this? There was fully cooperating. So um, the work with them was really great at that day. Was there some sort of uh, hope after uh, these talks prior to the protests? Like, was there any recognition of, uh, how you all wanted to work together to not have any difficulties. Um, did you feel any kind of togetherness at any point? Yeah, I felt, I felt it. that that certain time when we was working at that event, I, I, I was like, that's crazy. How, how peacefully we can work together hmm. and uh, coordinate um, each other. Like I was, I was, I had hope. I was hmm. like, okay, great. That's actually the first time I had like actually a great experience with the police. So I was like, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And I guess they brought us police who can relate more to this kind of thing because actually that was so funny. I don't know if they did this on purpose or something like that, but the whole VIP section was like hella hyped. There was this black woman as a police officer, like, yo, you never saw like a black woman working for the police before in Berlin. And they sent us her. So we was like, yo, this this is great. Like for us, it meant the world. We was like, yeah, now we're moving on. <laughs> it was a great experience. What happened after is another thing. But at that point, um, we really felt like, yeah, it's uh, we have hope. You said what happened after is another thing. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, what happened after, like... Um, <sighs> Like, this is the thing I experienced in police, brutality and everything what happens. So after that, I was disappointed. I was like, yeah, I, 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 
the ah, like I'm going to demonstrations daily and doing something for the community. And I know from experience, like if it comes to a topic like this, emotion is involved. People are sad, people are angry, people are willing to do something. And um, police are there to protect the people. And you're not just <laughs> anybody saying this. You're coming from experience and being the head of security at major events. Mm. From being a VIP bodyguard for over five years. Um, you've also worked at the door for many clubs. I mean, yes. do you find a parallel with your work and the police work? Working at the door, I experience a lot of things that coming together with the police work, you know, protecting people, de-escalating, and um, when something has happened, to see um, how to handle it, because you trained to handle it well. What, what did you see that you think triggered the police to react? The first thing I saw was like a group, a big group of young people, uh, not even 18 years, just screaming around, being loud, talking back on the police. And police was just standing there and doing nothing. Then I saw somebody from the back, 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 back through a, a, a bottle. Just hit, not the police officer, but almost hit. So they have to catch the person. So they start pushing in, but not hitting any, uh, somebody. It was like back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. So then everything started. It's brutal what you see in some videos, and it's not necessary. It's not necessary to beat somebody up or something like that. If the person is on the ground, he's on the ground. Because I, I know it from the club, like, yo, you, uh, when there's a problem, when somebody's doing a, uh, something, you go to the person, you're not going alone. Either you go like with uh, two other people or something like that to have a backup, you know? When it comes to a situation like this, you just catch the person, put it on the ground, and fix him so he's not moving. So you don't hit or something like that. And you have other people around you to hold the person also, you know? So you're strong enough to hold the person. And in case of the police, you have like, um, you have like handcuffs. And when you use the handcuffs, the person is not able to do something. So you can't hit the person or do something else. It's, it's not in your right to do that, you know? So it's a, uh, ego problem, you know? Mm. Because when I'm holding somebody on the floor, or something like that, I don't hit him. I trained to de-escalate. So any, every police officer who did this had a, a other issue. So there's, of course, many possibilities, but um, coming from Berlin, what do you think the issue was? Berlin is a city where racism is still present and a big, a big topic over here, especially if you go to the East and many police officers are from the East. We can't forget that. So they probably didn't like to be there, but they have to be there. So they were on the best behavior. So you're saying they were just basically holding back what was already in them. And it just took one push for them to pop. Yeah, they just released it, I think, because you trained to hold yourself and to de-escalate. So I think it was a personal issue. So they just released it and uh, beat people up. H.R. 7120 to hold law enforcement accountable for misconduct in court, improve transparency through data collection, and reform police training and policies. Without objection, the bill is considered as read and open for amendment at any point.
I would begin by recognizing myself for an opening statement. In addition, I want to thank the activists who are leading protests across the country. It is because of you that we are here today considering the most significant reforms to policing in a generation. It is because of your energy, your determination, and your demands for justice that the nation has awakened to the need for action. The goal of this legislation is to achieve a guardian, not warrior, model of policing. That was Representative Gerald Nadler, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, with a piece of his opening statement on June 17, 2020, just days after this interview took place. That same day, the Policing Act of 2020 was passed 24 to 14. You could read more about the new law at judiciary.house.gov. What's your hope for the future when it comes to demonstrations? My hope for the future when it comes to a silent protest or something like that, like, you know, a demonstration, it's the uh, work between, like, um, the public and the private section. And uh, the demonstration, we was, like, the private people. And then you have, like, the officers, the police, they are, like, the public thing. So I wish for the future, like, we can like not do 50-50, do even more, that the public service is um, more involved in this, in the, the, the own safety and the own thing. Because I think if you have people from your own lane talking to the people, uh, it would be different than just police that don't have nothing to do with this kind of thing, telling people to move or something like that, you know? So uh, my hope in the future is like, yeah, we can gain more people, like uh, when it comes to the security part, like to take care of uh, our people and have less police. This could be a part to de-escalate this kind of problem, change the whole system and do background checks on the police if they are racist or something like that, because we have many people inside the system. They got to start actively doing something different. I don't know where to start, but something needs to be done definitely. The thing is like, even if you have like good cops, good police, they're like, they have like, uh, people they have to follow, people they tell them what to do and what not to do. And uh, so it's not only their fault, there are like many steps before them. Um, nowadays, uh, we are like in Berlin, especially, we got like so many people with um, with not German background working for the police, but still they're doing the kind of same thing because they, they I, I'm not saying uh, they, they, they don't have an option, but they are like in the system and they have to work for the system. So I, I found out like it's, it's not them, it's the, the, the whole system. The thing is this, still, I'm still worried that they may try to pull one on us. Let's not forget that. They may try to pull one on us. Even now, they say, we didn't see what we saw. And I continuously say, how can we see it as a murder and they see it as a misunderstanding? As I'm talking to my nephews, as I'm talking to my daughter, trying to tell them how to act when they're out there and they see a police officer. I'm sort of running out of things to tell them. And it shouldn't be that way. That was Jamie Foxx speaking on the steps of City Hall on Monday, June 1st, 2020. So what's your organization doing to help out the community? When you go to organizations like black organizations and everything, Mostly you learn, you learn something about history, knowledge and everything. And I really appreciate that. And that's important to know your history. Um, but I also find it's important to, to work on a daily basis, like self-defense, not self-defense to beat somebody up, like self-defense in general. Like, yo, 
I have to know my rights. I know have, uh, if I want to move free, I know I, I know what I have to do. What can I say? The law is protecting me and everything, this kind of thing. Or like um, self-defense, like um, I would say to talk to people, uh, to see racism, how to um, uh, talk, not talk back, but like how you can solve this problem or how you can help somebody. How to de-escalate situations. Exactly. Like this is my work I've been doing like almost my whole since I can think. Because if you work in a, as a security guy, you have to know your rights also. So um, I'm trying to help people, to teach people, um, to be there for people. And so this is the work I'm doing for my whole life. And uh, right now I've got people standing behind me and willing to help me. And it's a problem people noticing right now. So there are many people who want to learn this kind of stuff. So I'm going to um, make this thing a public thing to help people in need who really want to know this kind of stuff. You know, hearing you talk um, about this and, and your background and I just can't help but think putting it all together that um, the police actually need someone like you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, have you thought about schooling them on what you know and how it could help? Maybe? I don't know how it works in America, but the thing over here is like, Police have their trainings. Police have their, um, they have the trainings, like, uh, intern, like, there, nobody's coming to say, like, yeah, we can offer you, like, um, a training or something like that. It's not possible because the government is not allowed to do something like that because that means, ultimately, um, uh, you telling the police or bringing your problem or something like that to the police so maybe they are sensitive to it and doing things they are actually not supposed to do you know some yeah. some so yeah so the government is really strict when it comes to this thing so um either it have to be like a government thing it have to be so big or so needed that the government say like yo we have to do this on the daily basis like we have to teach uh, train the police on this specific thing but i think it's uh, it could be possible in some years because the problem is there and people yeah. now um waking up and um, screaming so i think um when when we push this thing further uh, it could be a possibility that police have to go through specific trainings like my company or like other com uh, many many companies in berlin um they have to do this training like um the ambassador training like they have mm -hmm. to be um nowadays um working at the door it's not even it's not it's not in, uh, a bounce anymore, just a typical bouncer, just standing there and being big and everything. Yeah. No, you need people to communicate. You need people like for uh, sensitive topics, like when it comes to the LGBTQI uh, movement, like you have mm -hmm. to be sensitive to it. Like if you not, then you out, like, you know, because uh, we're moving and uh, you have to respect people. So I, in our section, it changed already. Mm -hmm. So I think um, maybe it's possible to, to do the same for the police, hopefully. Yeah, I can imagine just, just, them being able to have the opportunity to speak to a community member uh, like an, as an optional thing. Hey, if officers want to stick around later in the day, there's going to be someone speaking if you want to understand a little bit more about situations or, but uh, maybe yeah, it's yeah, just, something like that. Yeah. Uh, maybe it is one of those things where you need a lot of paperwork to get in. I don't know how it works, but it would be nice. You would think that they would want to know how to, be better for the community, right? Exactly. If you want to mm -hmm. stick with your girlfriend or if you want to stick with your wife, 
uh, mm. you're going to go therapy. You're going to figure out how to make things right. Yes. So I think True. it's the same thing for a police officer. If he or she really wants to do good and they're actually, their colleagues are not doing good. I think it's important, right? To see, okay, what's working, what's not working and how can we make it better? True. Absolutely true. And that's the thing, like uh, here in Germany, like uh, this topic is, it's there since a while, but never had like that spotlight, you know, like, but right now I think uh, people seeing like there's a big major problem. So uh, this could be a possibility too in the future. Yeah. Yeah. And yesterday I was sitting here and thinking about like this, uh, this kind of problem. I was like, yo, like I never thought in my life to be a police officer, but why actually being a police officer means to protect and serve your community and be there for the people. Like this is the highest responsibility you can actually have, but why people hate the police and this is not right. You know, this is, this is a crazy thing they have, they're happening. Did you ever think about moving somewhere else, starting fresh? Um, yeah, often. I think about that often. Like, uh, I have the option, and I'm really lucky that, uh, that I have the option to move back to Ghana and uh, just live there and enjoy my life. But then every time when I think about that, I feel like, nah, I feel like guilt and responsibility. Like, I can't, I'm a part of this community. I'm a part of Germany. I'm a part of Berlin. Like, um, I live almost my whole life over here. And uh, this is actually the, my place to be. So, just just leaving and going somewhere else and moving somewhere else this is i don't this is not an option for me um because i feel like i'm responsible and i can change things i can like everybody can start changing things if they really want so uh and one thing that's in my head also is like yo we had like so many people before us fighting for the same thing you know like i can't just quit and say like yeah uh, it's up, I'm moving, I'm going. <laughs> it's not like that. And also I'm thinking about the people who don't have this kind of option, you know, just like, yeah, I'm leaving. Nah, they have to stay. They can't go nowhere else. So but just moving is for me, like just running away from the problems, I think. So you feel like you have to stay to help bring change? I have to, I can't. Like, yo, this is like my daily base thing. Like everywhere I'm, I am, I'm trying to like bring a change. Like in my company where I'm working, we support like um, black people and people of color. Like uh, we don't have any German. Okay, people can say like, yeah, that's racist and everything. But now nah, you have like many several companies who like don't want to have like uh, uh, people from uh, other countries or something like that. So we wanted to bring a change and help people from the community. And first, um, bringing people in that didn't have the same chance to do something, you know. It's small, but it's 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 helping to build something, you know. So this is my fight every day that we do it. So, yeah, I can't just leave and um, <laughs> nah, I can't. <laughs> so amongst all the stuff that you already do, you're also a singer, songwriter, producer. <laughs> Could you speak on that? Seven or eight years ago, I came to Berlin. Uh, just for doing the school thing and um, since then I'm active in the music scene still doing my thing and the security thing just came so actually I'm a musician this is what I'm doing for my actually living and what motivated you into getting to make your own beats 
I wanted to do my own thing and I didn't have the money to ask somebody like, yo, I'm going to pay you off. Uh, just give me the beat or something like that. So I started producing by myself. So I wanted to gain more knowledge in this uh, section. So that's why I decided to do this. So what kind of education did you do to, to learn this? Um, I went to Abbey Road Institute. And the funny thing is like back then uh, it opened because the, they had like only a school in London and I think in the States or something like that. And uh, a good friend of mine was working there, the Berlin chapter. She offered me a scholarship for free. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to take that. Because uh, actually back then I want to go to um, Deutsch Pop. And then uh, I, I met I met her and she was like, yo, let me help you out. So I, I, I went to Edgar Road Institute. Israel, it's been a pleasure to have you as a guest on the show. Is there any last words you'd like to share with the people listening out there before we go? Yeah, something I want to share is like, um, it's important, people. It's important to know your rights. <laughs> it's important to move if you want to move. Free. And, that's the, and the thing is like, um, what I realized in Germany, in Europe, and in the Western um, uh, uh, world, you have like, even it doesn't seem like you have rights, especially when it comes to uh, the US, you have rights and the, uh, the, the law protects you actually. Um, and if it comes to Germany, you many people just tell you bullshit, especially police tell you bullshit because they are authorities. People think they know everything, but they don't. And uh, they can tell you something, but it could be right. So you have to know your rights, you know, you, you have to know what you're doing because if you know what you're doing, people will step up differently to you. So um, mm. it's important to educate yourself, to, to just educate yourself when it comes to this kind of thing, to, to move freely. Yeah, that's the only thing I, I say to people all the time, like, yo, just get your uh, uh, law book and go through everything that's important to you and just get your rights you need. Yeah. <laughs> like, especially uh, my friends, I tell them all the time because many people be complaining, yeah, police control and everything, blah, blah. Yo, police just bullshit people. So, so just, it's, it's so ridiculous how they trying to force to find something in the car or to do something in the car yeah. when they even not allowed to. But so many people don't know it. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. you just, just, just know your rights so you can move freely and differently. This is the only thing I want to add up. Right on. Good evening, my friends. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Billy Murphy, and we're going to talk about how to deal with the police. I've been a judge, but I'm best known as a criminal defense lawyer. I know how the law works, and I know that for many people, the law sometimes doesn't work. But I'm going to show you how to make the law work for you. I see how the choices my clients make have a massive impact on the outcomes of their police encounters. Even if, and especially if, you've done nothing wrong. There are lots of good police out there doing what needs to be done. And I don't need to tell you that there are also a few too many cops who don't respect the basic rights of innocent people. But you don't get to choose who you're dealing with. And even the nicest cop will use your mistakes against you. That's precisely why every citizen Every one of you must possess the tools to confidently assert your rights if you have to. Thank you for joining us this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on the series or know someone who would, 
please send an email to talkswithblake at gmail.com with the subject line BLM guest. Or go to facebook.com backslash talkswithblake where you can also learn about the show and the other episodes. I'm your host, Blake Worrell, signing off for now saying, in the meantime, speak out, stay safe.